You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and our very special guest, Robert Bricky, Duke legend. In the well, house. That's what I like us. to say, but most people <laughs> would not refer to me as a legend. Listen, as a kid that was in high school in the late 80s and wanted to be able to jump and do all kinds of crazy dunks, you were one of my idols. And I asked you before we came on the air, uh, there's a lot of bio information out there on the web about you and, and all the rest of that. What was your vert when you were at Duke? It measured at 45 inches, but sometimes I thought I could go a little higher depending on – sometimes when you go on the block, a shot. Maybe somebody with a lighter shade of blue in front of you got you up a few more inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the uh, hype for the Carolina-Duke rivalry, juices flowing. Who knows? Now, you, you went to high school in Fayetteville. You initially, if I'm not mistaken – we're leaning toward Wake Forest. Is correct. That correct. At the time, Duke was not recruiting me. Uh, Bob Stack, I'm sorry, Carl Tacey was a coach at Wake. And I really loved Carl Tacey. And they fired him, brought in Bob Stack. And on the visit, my parents went. And at the end of the visit, my dad asked me, What did you think? I said, He won't be here very long. He said, Why? I said, He's New Yorker, he talks too fast. For Winston-Salem. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. Uh, but Duke started recruiting me a little later because Stevie Thompson signed with Syracuse. They were recruiting him. They needed a small forward. So they didn't recruit me until winter, maybe early spring. And so I took a hard look at Duke. My dad liked it because of the military connection with Coach K. Mm-hmm. But they, they didn't pressure me. They said it's your decision. And uh, it was the right decision. Got it. And you were Mr. Basketball in the state of North Carolina in 86? 86, yes. All right. And then as a freshman, you went to a Duke team that was coming off of – that yeah. was right after their loss – To Louisville. To Louisville in yeah. the finals. Yeah. Never Nervous, Purvis, Ellison. Never Nervous. And one that the, crew, they were really good. One of the great nicknames of all time. <laughs> and I asked you earlier – you know, is there a nickname that you're particularly fond of? And you really looked at me like I had something growing out of my forehead. I hurt, hurt my feelings a little bit. Well, no, he, he basically said, I don't get down like that. I'm too serious for yeah, that. I'm, no, I'm, no, 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 not like that. <laughs> just, just not my thing. But the, the truth is, if somebody could have come up with a nickname as cool as Never Nervous. Yeah, maybe. Didn't maybe. rock that. Maybe. And I wonder if Purvis Ellison is sitting somewhere today and somebody calls him. How would you shorten that? Would you would you never, never nervous, <laughs> double in? Well, it's been a long time. Maybe I'm kind of nervous nowadays. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, Chris, you know, the question I want to ask you was, what's your max vert 
back in high school. Man, I was doing about <laughs> no, no, no. I now listen, listen. I could get up a little bit. I was about thirty-two. Okay, thirty, thirty-two. I could throw it down. I couldn't do what this guy did. And and I want to know: Is there any? Because we've all seen all of the dunks from your college career, and they're right. out there on YouTube for folks. In fact, my teenage son last night. We were, I was talking to my wife. He overheard, and I pulled up your video, and. It's about time to update the music on that video. We're going to help you out with that. But we were watching, and he was like, oh, oh. Um, is there any one of those or anyone that's not on video from high school or something that stands out above anything else when you were like, did I really just do that? You know, there is one, and this oh, is okay. unusual. We're playing, and it just happened to be at Carolina. Oh, just happened to just be. Just happened there. to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Dick Paparo called Travel on Me. It was a long pass, weird play. I take off, and I think I jumped too far. I'm like, I am not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, I get and I dunked it. But the way it looked, it, it was a weird play. It was not a travel after you review it, but Paparo called Travel on Me. But it was, I was, I'm not, I don't get impressed. Because I thought, you know, I'm used to doing those kinds of things. But I was like, wow, that was pretty impressive once I saw it on tape. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever dunked on somebody and then kind of felt kind of bad about it? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) We're playing at Washington, uh, I don't know, 88 maybe. And they had a kid, a phenomenal athlete. And he came through the lane and dunked backwards on Danny Ferry. Oh, Lord. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, that was impressive. And, and Danny said, you got to get him back. <laughs> <laughs> the last play of the game, Uh-oh. we're up. Coach K says, just inbounds and get fouled. I break low. <laughs> Danny lets it fly. I catch it. It's me and this kid. I think his name was Brown. We're meeting one-on-one at the rim. And I was like, this is for you, Daddy. <laughs> and I crushed it. Bam. Nice. And one right at the end of the game as the buzzer goes off. And uh, Daddy was excited about that. That's cool. How was, uh, was Coach K excited about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So when you look back at Duke, and, and, and I don't want you to get up and leave. But here's the – and this is just real talk. And this is coming from a guy who didn't grow up in North Carolina, who was watching from afar. I didn't have a dog in that fight. But when you got to Duke, you were sort of the first in a new type of swingman in that Duke offense. But when you left, you went to Sweet 16 as a freshman and then three straight Final Four appearances – you take those three Final Fours plus the one right before you got there, and I think that the refrain was, well, Duke is the team that can't win the big one. Right. How bad did that gnaw at you while you were there? Then it really bothered me because, you know, your goal is, of course, guys weren't leaving after one year at that time. So you could you could develop a team over the course of a few years. But we wanted to win because we thought we were one of the better teams in the country. Now it takes luck and you got to stay healthy and scheduling and some things like that. But mm-hmm. we thought we had a legitimate chance to win that title, especially when we lost to Kansas in 88. We lost to Seton Hall. Seton Hall in 89. But we think we've got a good returning crew. We brought in some young players, Christian Layton and Bobby Hurley. So we think 
going in. We've got experience. We've been there before. And then we ran into a bus saw against UNLV, which you brought up earlier. Thanks. For, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to do that to you on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but since you broke those. the seal, is that Vegas team from 1990, is that the best team of all time? I can't see many better. That team was amazing. That the first six players, I don't know if there's been another six that could match that talent. Is it true that they drove to the game, they got out of their Bentleys on the way to the game? <laughs> you know anything about that? No, Come that on, I, you got that to. That I don't know. I saw a few Bentleys in Chapel Hill, though. Oh! <laughs> and, and who'd you – that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be funny. That's funny. Ouch. So, uh, that Vegas team, you had Larry Johnson, yep. Stacey Augman, Anderson Hunt, Greg Anthony. George Ackles. George Ackles. Ackles. He's always the like one that gets forgotten. Yeah. Well, Ackles – Ackles was Greg Oden before he was Greg Oden. Yeah. That dude looked like he was a grown man. Yeah, he was 47 <laughs> during the game. But I can remember watching that game with, with some friends of mine. And, I mean, that performance in that game by Vegas, I mean, that's as perfect a basketball game right. as I think I've ever seen. That was something else. Which of those hurts the most? Which one do you think the Seton Hall team, to me, from the outside looking in, would seem to be tough because that was a team that wasn't that good during the season. Right. And P.J. Carlissimo's guys just got hot down the stretch and became America's darlings and almost got by a really good Michigan team in the finals. Right. But which one of those is the one that, that, looking back, is the most disappointing? I'd say that Seton Hall game. I got hurt. We were up 17 late in the first half. And I got hurt, and I dislocated a muscle from my bone. I'm telling you, it was painful. Mm. And uh, so I was like, well, we got this one. I sh- maybe I'll be ready by the, uh, Monday for the title game. But we, they got a rally, and uh, Andrew Gaze got yeah. hot and made some big shots. And uh, That's we, another we one. just what couldn't Gaze, recover. Gaze was a, he was an Australian national. I think he was yeah. another grown man. Yeah, he, he was, was like 32. 30 or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, it's those grown men got you. If you've been playing against, you know, 19- and 20-year-olds, you'd have two rings. If you're playing against people that can put you in timeout, you know, it's (laughs) an unfair advantage. So I have a question for you, and I've always wondered this, because watching them as a basketball observer, I thought that their games were very similar. But who was the better player to you, Danny Ferry or Christian Leitner? Good question. I think Christian was a little more athletic than Danny. Same skill sets, but Christian was a little more athletic. And uh, Christian was uh, super competitive. I mean, super competitive. Mm -hmm. Not to say Danny wasn't, but I'd give a slight edge to Christian. Okay. And what a gap. I mean, to be able to play with Ferry Ferry and then get to play with Hurley and Leitner, I mean, that's a lot. Those are household names. That's pretty amazing, you know. But I'm thinking the other. I'm thinking how amazing for Danny Ferry, Bobby Hurley, and Christian Leitner to get to play with Robert (laughs) Bricky. I see where you're going with that. You are officially my new hype man. Dude, I'm I'm here to tell you. I'm sure that you don't walk – 15 feet down the road without somebody talking about UNC or, you know, Duke, the rivalry, the colors, making jokes, whatever the case might be. But I mean this in all seriousness that my thing, the guys that I admired when I was coming up were the high flyers, the guys that were fun, that were playing the the game above the rim. And you at the college level, 
you were a pioneer, and and you were a lot of fun to watch. And I mean that that to me just takes me back in time. And I sound like a fanboy right now, but I'm, do, I'm dead man. serious about that. Hey, he said hype man, not like stalk me. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fanboy. Before we get too far into this. We um we are going to talk some college basketball today. In fact, we're going to talk about the newest phenom at, at Duke, Marvin Bagley the third, and that squad. Um, sh- sadly, you come in after they you know I'm gacked one away at NC State, but we'll get to that. But before we do, we need to talk some college football. And some of you guys are going to be out there listening to this on Wednesday or later in the week on the podcast and wondering, well, why aren't they talking about the national championship game? Well, it's simple. As of this taping, the national championship game hasn't occurred. Unless you're a UCF fan, in which case, congratulations, because you're the national champs. champion. That's what we think. Yes, sir. Now, I do have to point out, and, and Trent can look this up at some point, Darren, and we can, we can catalog this, but UCF's taken a lot of grief about the fact that they're going to hang a banner and they're calling themselves the national champion. But there are some really good pieces out there. There's been some really good reporting. There's a lot of schools that have done exactly the same thing. And when you look, it's funny – the one that jumps into my mind is the University of Kentucky because Kentucky in this day and age, all anybody cares about as far as basketball national championships is the NCAAs. Right. Well, those UK fans are quick to throw out this notional number of championships that they've got, and a lot of those are NITs. Well, I hate to say it. And they're I like, ah, oh, that UCLA <laughs> stuff doesn't matter because we were playing in the NIT and that was the real championship. Well, I don't mean to put my own team on blast, but I went to the Wake Forest game last week. And on the cup that they give you, it says seven national championships for Carolina. They weren't NCAA-sanctioned championships, Boom. but hey, man, I think everybody kind of does it. Well, Alabama in football has two, including one in which they went into their bowl game as the number one team in the country, lost, but the writers didn't vote again back then after the bowl game. So Alabama's like, hey, we were number one going to the game. We're still number one. And they have a banner, and that's included in their 16. So – UCF, I agree with you. I love that they're embracing this and that they're not backpedaling into this. They're even selling their, or uh, paying their bonuses. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats at Cheap Seat Radio on social media. WBLZ, WDCC. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, welcome back. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the illustrious Robert Ricky. Duke, great. Hanging out with us. And we were talking about national championships before we went to the break. And Kentucky, University of Kentucky, has eight NCAA basketball titles. If you look at any of their literature, they claim 12. So there. Well, in a couple of years, you know, Calipari, a couple of those will be wiped off the map anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They'll find something. It won't be Uh, long now. 
Where there's smoke, there's fire, brother. Uh, Robert, when you were being when you were going through the recruiting process, what's the craziest thing? And you don't have to put anybody on blast, but what was the biggest gift that was offered to you? Well, I've had people say, I'm trying to phrase this delicately, they made offers for extra benefits as defined by the NCAA. Oh, really? I just I, I want to know what the biggest – I mean, the, the, the statute of limitations is surely <laughs> Hold over. Hold on, you didn't – And you don't have to put any particular school Robert, or person on blast. Robert, you didn't tell us that Rick Pitino <laughs> went out to <laughs> But what's – come on, there's got to be something where you're like, oh, that was hard not to not to jump on. Yeah, there were some offers made, and um, my mother was an educator. My dad was military, so it was all about education for me. (laughs) And uh, my my dad was like, those things will be passing. Don't worry about them now. They'll come in time. So um, I chose Duke because I thought Coach K was the right coach for me and Duke was the right university for me. Gotcha. So you're just not going to tell us what the best offer you got. You sound like Dan Lebitard. (laughs) (laughs) No, if I sounded like Dan Lebitard, I'd be like, the Marlins, they're getting screwed again. Oh, my God. Miami's being prostituted by MLB. That was my best Dan Lebitard. Very good. Very good. And I don't want to talk about baseball today. So we're good. And nobody else does either. I will will tell a story. I, I will tell a story. And you, now, you would have been gone before. I went to high school with a young man named Orlando Smart. Mm-hmm. Orlando Smart, during his college career at the University of San Francisco, was widely recognized as the best point guard in the country, not named Jason Kidd. And Orlando had offers from everywhere. You know, go into the coach's office and there'd be seven more envelopes from everywhere from Georgetown, Syracuse, UNC, whatever. Everybody in the country recruited him. And I don't know anything for certain. But I will tell you that he ended up at the University of San Francisco and before he graduated was rocking a brand new white Mercedes Benz. Just nice. saying. Nice. Very well, nice. Well, I'll tell you. I'm just saying. What, maybe it was back, a part of their tuition package. Could have been. Maybe. Could have been. I think back oh, no, in, before his senior year in high school was over, he was rocking that Benz. Ooh. <laughs> tuition, room, board, Mercedes. I, well, yeah. Boom. Dude, back in my day, I got offered a female escort not to come to their school. <laughs> you went to Louisville? <laughs> and I think, but I think the offer still stands. Like, just don't come around. Please. I do want to say, Brandon and I have been to the Dean Dome a couple times to see ball games, and we get to talking, and he played intramural ball there, but he swears that there's springs in the floor at UNC. And that you get a little bit more lift there. You do. Most most schools do have some kind of <coughs> spring-loaded platform underneath their floors. When they redid the floor at Duke, I just happened to be around, and I was watching the process. And they, they were like, yes, they're not springs, but the way the system supports the floor, it's bouncy, and it's got some kind of – it's more for safety. No, it's more for safety. I cannot tell you how glad you I am that you said that because I thought this guy was full of crap. No, nah, well, man. I'm like, whatever, dude. Spring. But it's not. It's, it's not to help you to jump. It. It's more. It for actually safety. aids exactly. you just a little bit. Though. It does. It, it does. aids you a little bit because back in high school, I'd have to grease down a woman's basketball to dunk it, and I actually got a chance to play on the in the Dean Dome, and I could get up there pretty good. See, dude. 
If you needed springs in the floor to dunk, you're not playing hey, basketball. Get after him, Trey. Come get on now. Dude, come on. No, seriously, like anybody on Duke needed springs to dunk. Maybe Muggsy Bogues when he was trying to dunk, but okay, he so wasn't on Duke. As of people listening to this, because if by the time it's unveiled to the world, the national championship game will have occurred. So you're going to have to go on record right now and predict – what happened in that ball game? You got Georgia. Alabama. I will, but isn't it ni- nice not to hear the name Baker Mayfield anymore? Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Unless no you, more press conferences. No, because not even Paul George knows who Baker Mayfield is. So that was awesome. I don't. Did know you see you that? No, I no. Did, did you see it? All right. Baker Mayfield was at courtside at the Oklahoma City game, and Paul George was shaking hands with the regulars. Mayfield like grabbed him, shook his hand, and like you could tell, like was sitting there to see if he'd recognize him. And Paul George was just like, oh, "Yeah, right, kid. I like that." Didn't even know who he was. Beat it, kid. Beat yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'll make my prediction. I will. I'm pulling for Georgia, but you can't be Saban at Saban's game. And if you're basically modeling your whole game plan on the offense and the defensive sides of the ball as an Alabama team in their image, you're not going to beat Saban. Period. Ooh. Alabama. I I think the Bulldogs are going to uh, pull it off. I think you're in there with Georgia, with Sony Mitchell and Nick Chubb. Yep. I think All they'll right. be able to run it down their throat and uh, show something to Alabama that only Auburn was able to do. All right. Robert, what you got? I've got Georgia only because of the quarterback. I think their quarterback is better. All things being equal. I think it comes down to being able to throw the ball. I think Georgia will do a better job. You absolutely 100% stole my thunder. I think Fromm is the difference in this. I think that Chubb or Mitt or Michelle will get one or two opportunities. There are going to be a couple seams there, and I think if they can exploit them, Fromm is enough of a difference maker and can push the ball down the field a little bit better than Hurts can. And that Alabama passing attack is entirely too one-dimensional. You've got Calvin Ridley and nothing else really at receiver. I think Georgia's more balanced, and and I'm not going to lie. I hope Alabama loses. I don't think Alabama deserved to be in this in the first place. Oh, I'm with you. And I hope that they do not find a way to pull it off. UCF, no knock against – UCF is free tonight. UCF. Yeah. UCF will be watching. They don't care who wins because in yeah, their eyes they Well, I know he's got a lot of football to play, but how much money has from – made himself so far. I mean, and and he's getting all the good pub. Like I mentioned, it's nice not to hear Baker Mayfield's name again, but Fromm is almost the antithesis of that guy in terms of his attitude off the field and on. He appears and he to delivers. Be. He appears to be. And I don't know yet. The, the questions I have about Fromm three years from now when we're talking about him as, as an NFL prospect, I haven't seen – enough arm talent consistently yet, uh, but that doesn't mean it's there or it's not there. I mean, right now they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they throw it just enough to keep you honest. He does seem to make good decisions. His mechanics are impeccable. For a freshman quarterback, they're absolutely impeccable. The release is is, is tight. It's quick. Uh, the footwork's great. The decision-making's there. Has all the tools. He's not a physical specimen in that he's only 6'3". Uh, but he's athletic enough. He's heady. The arm talent's either there or not, and we're going to see that over the next couple of years because when Michelle and Chubb move on this year, 
it's going to be a completely different animal at Georgia, and it should be Fromm's team moving forward. So we'll see. I don't know yet that I'm ready to say he's a he's a first round NFL quarterback. Dude, I, what I would say about you saying Robert UCF is free tonight, I would love to start a GoFundMe to put Alabama if Alabama wins to have them match up for UCF. Don't you think people around the country would fund that? Just say, hey, look, we'll pay both schools. We just want to see y'all play. Well, I mean, we've had that opportunity before, and it's not going to happen. I mean, there's you know, there's been split national championships and things like that in the past, but I'm all for it. And in this day and age, maybe we need Vince McMahon or Mark Cuban or somebody with you know piles of money to get behind that and think about it. I don't know why not. Be great. I'd pay to watch it. I mean, but, what kind of ratings would that get? I mean, it'd get incredible ratings. Nick Saban would never do it, obviously. No. Or the winner of tonight's game goes on, plays, plays UCF. UCF for the real national yeah. championship. That's funny. Maybe you can get LeVar Ball. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> to develop a league for college football players. Can we just get him out of the United States? Why are you bringing him back? So I I saw there is a a whisper starting amongst uh, the NBA teams that NBA teams are going on the record and telling their press corps that they will have their credentials revoked if they interview LeVar Ball. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And there are people that are like, oh, taking their credentials. You can't do that. It's reporting. I don't think they understand how valuable those credentials are. Right. Um, there's some decisions going to have to be made. No, Talk- like the movie Seabiscuit, going back to GoFundMe, the UCF, when they would put these horses together that wouldn't be in the same horses, people wanted to see that. So we do a GoFundMe. Get these guys together. UCF beats Alabama. Perfect ending to the you story. You let LeVar Ball commentate. <laughs> nice. I just, I don't know. I just Robert, I think up. you should go interview him so you can get your press credentials taken away. I don't need mine taken so away. So have you signed with Big Baller Brand yet? You know, no, I have not. But uh, I'm if the money's right, though. any minute. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, well, yeah, but so – What's going to happen? LeVar Ball is spitting his mouth off that Walton's lost the team and they don't respect him. Brother, let me let me. I mean, the best thing okay, I'm sorry. that I'm ever sorry happened. I'm sorry that I brought that up. That's okay. No, the best thing that ever happened to Steve Alford was that guy shoplifting in China. I don't disagree. Oh, yeah. I, I don't disagree. That, because Steve Alford to had to have been like, yeah, thank, thank God, God. Thank God. First of all, God. when I saw, uh, I evaluated the tapes on all three of them. I was like, the, the other two brothers aren't very good. No, The uh, oldest son is really good. The other two, I was like, they're D2 players at best. And people looked at me like I was nuts. I said, no. I said, y'all got caught in the hype. I said, these kids can't play. And this is coming from a guy that has been a head coach at the college level. Yeah, That's the thing with – I want to make sure I get the names right. LaMelo is the middle child, is that right? Or is that LiAngelo? That's LiAngelo. LaMelo is the youngest. Yes, the 16-year-old. Okay. So that's been the thing all along. And it's funny because the hype machine that that created the reputation that Lonzo Ball now has was this new YouTube generation. Right. And this kid from the time he was about 15 with these YouTube clips up there, you know, became a star before ever enrolling in college. And we'll talk about that a little bit more on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Sanford, North Carolina. Thanks for hanging out. 
You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats, where we are having our own internal discussion about the Golden Globes. Or not the Golden Globes, because Brandon didn't even check it out. But your big winners last night, three billboards outside of some podunk town in Minnesota or something. I don't know. Missouri or something. Ebbing's, Missouri, I think. Missouri. Robert and I are we're having a disagreement here. And Robert said he enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed the movie. I give you thirty seconds to to talk and sell that movie. Well, I I had just come from seeing Blade Runner. Which so anything would have been good. It was awful. So I had to redeem myself, and uh, we ended up watching uh, Three Billboards. And I really liked it. I, I thought the acting was very good. I thought it had a decent storyline. Uh, the production was good. So I, I thought it was a good movie. All right. I could not get past, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody, so take, you know, take us off for 45 seconds if you haven't seen Three Billboards. But one of the key issues in that is how the primary character is going to raise $5,000 a month for these three billboards that she's created these messages on. And I know, because I am in a marketing guy, that those billboards, she could have bought those doggone billboards for $5,000. And the $5,000 a month for those three billboards in the middle of nowhere killed the story for me. I could not get past that. And I'm serious. My wife and I talked about it, and when I said that to my wife, she said, I read exactly the same thing on Facebook from a friend of ours who's also a marketing guy. And I was like, so sorry, Chris, can't get past it. Chris, you're that guy then? You're no. the guy You're the guy who watches Star Wars and goes, see, honey, that explosion could never happen in no, outer space because there's not. not enough oxygen. I'm not, and I'm, Nerd. I'm, I'm a movie guy, but the problem is, is that was a key component of the story is how she's going to raise that. Gotcha. And it just, it, it, I couldn't get past it. See, Sorry. I really liked uh, Lady Bird about Shh. Lady Bird Johnson. 
Like, I didn't know it was such a struggle when Lyndon Johnson wasn't president for her to support her family and her teenage daughter as a nurse. Yeah, that's a great, that's an astute review of that movie. And it's funny because now you're making light of it, but going into the break, I was thought Lady Bird was about Lady Bird Johnson. Well, that's why I wouldn't watch it. I'm like, dude, all these things about, oh, the president. If it were about Lady Bird Johnson, it would be better. And my favorite Lady Bird Johnson story, when I was in high school in Austin, Texas. You have a favorite? I do. I do. No, 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 no. no you have to understand. Everything. You have to understand. Austin, Texas okay. is home to the Lyndon Johnson oh, yeah. Library. Okay. Okay? Lady Bird Johnson, when I was a teenager, was still alive. So she was like queen of Central Texas. I mean, seriously. When she showed up, title? it was on. And Lady Bird Johnson, my mother was in the Air Force there at Berkstrom Air Force Base. And Lady Bird Johnson was coming for a visit to Bergstrom Air Force Base in the middle of the summer, and the grass was all dead. So before Lady Bird Johnson arrived, they had to map out her course as to what she was going to visit on the Air Force Base, and they went and had all the grass painted everywhere that she was going to go so that Lady Bird Johnson would not see the dead grass at the Air Force Base. True story. Wow. Wow. That is a pretty good story. And you were clowning well, because I, I had a favorite Lady think, Bird Johnson well, story. I would think you would have two <laughs> that you could choose one over the other. I do have some more, but I'm done talking about Lady Bird Johnson. Stop stop pushing me, guys. Wait, this was a uh, bad, bad, bad year for movies. Yeah. I, watching the Golden Globes last night, um, what I didn't see with a Golden Globe nomination, and I'm dead serious when I say this, was Happy Death Day. <laughs> I saw that movie. And, and let me ask you a question. I don't watch a lot of movies, but I watched that good. one. I'll and go, it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was a real cool kind of throwback to like, kind of like a scream to some of the 80s horror flicks. But the whole thing was hilarious. It was, it was, a, it was an 80s horror flick meets... Um, Groundhog's Day. Yeah, but Groundhog's Day is too simple. But the, remember in the 80s, it was all the time travel movies. Back to yeah. the Future, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blade, Bill and Ted. What's that? Bill and Ted. Ted. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's excellent. Bla- the hysterical. original Blade Runner. <laughs> By the way, that's where you messed up. You didn't You didn't put Daryl Hannah back in the movie. Oh. Come on. She's still got to be fine, right? I, I think so. Alive? I think she's crazy. I think she's like a lunatic. Okay. I, I guess I would take <laughs> her out of there. reason to put it in the movie. Well, but here's my thing about the Golden Globes is my wife is a nerd when it comes to film. And in the lead up, you know, it's award season. She made it a point to go watch everything that was nominated for a Golden Globe over the course of all these snow days. She said, it's because she hadn't been working a week and a half. Hmm. So she watched all of this stuff. And, and by sort of osmosis, whether I wanted to or not, I was exposed to all these films. Some of them I sat through. And all of the Best Picture nominees I did sit through. And I'm going to tell you that Happy Death Day was better than all of them. <laughs> Not lying. And they were in it a was ra- amazingly funny to me. And they were in a race to find the creepiest mask they could possibly find for that movie. Yes. Was that not the creepiest daggone little baby mask? Yes. Ugh. It was awesome. See, I don't think I've seen a Best Picture nominee in... 10 years. I do have to give a shout out though to Darkest Hour. And if you haven't seen Darkest Hour, that's the one I want to see. There's two things here. Because I love Wednesday. Because Dunkirk is a film and it's kind of wild because Dunkirk, if you're a a war buff, a history buff, 
you'll know that there were 300,000 soldiers stranded on the beaches of Dunkirk that were evacuated by a civilian fleet. If you didn't know that, I just spoiled the entire movie for you because that's what happened. However, that movie, it's well done. It's a good movie, but there's no context. And you really don't know how what's going on fits with the bigger picture. However, Darkest Hour that came out the same year. You're going to spoil this one too? Well, no. Here's the thing. Is that, (laughs) (laughs) Robert, our friendship's going to be challenging. (laughs) He fit right in, didn't he? He does. Like, I better be on my best behavior here. Um, Darkest Hour is exactly the opposite. And it centers largely around the Dunkirk evaluation, but it or evacuation, but it doesn't really show it. It's all happening sort of in theory. And Winston Churchill and all the, the machinations of the, the British Parliament are going on, and it's a really, really good movie. Um, I have to highly recommend Darkest Hour. And I don't even know if Darkest Hour is in theaters yet. Is well, it? no, it's, it is because is they it? want to get the Oscars, but... It's in those artsy ones. I think it comes out later this so month. So Bill, did you watch The Darkest Hour bootleg? Is that oh, what I no! just heard? Oh, no! God, just told on himself. No. I think I... Um, well, speaking maybe, of... Ha- uh, hey, no, it wasn't Chris, Darkest Hour I really saw. Chris, that was that package that came to the Cheap Seats Radio. You got the preview of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bootleg. I think I just admitted to a felony. Because you work for a, a theater. You got the, uh, the, you got no, the first copy. You. Well, happy day. Anyway, so all that I just said about Darkest Hour, I heard that. (laughs) See what had happened. But speaking of Happy Death Day, it did have some scary parts on it. And we were talking about transition this into sports, if I can speak English. But uh, something else that's scary is LeVar Ball's kids and the way they play basketball. And we're talking to Robert off air. And if you want to talk about your your business, he's going to be working with kids to get them to the next level. You told us off air you wouldn't take either one of these kids, right? Well, I said they were not D1 players. I said at best, at best, they're D2 players. So what was the one that was at UCLA that shoplifted? That was LeAngelo, the middle one. He was never going to play at UCLA. That whole package deal thing was a ploy by Alford to get – Lonzo there. Lonzo, because the other two kids are not very good. And uh, so I watched their tapes. One of them had 90 points in the game. It looked like he was playing against sixth graders. Yeah. It was awful. So I'm thinking, how could you believe this kid is this good? I, if I played against sixth graders right now, I'd get 90. So, <laughs> and I'm old and fat now, but uh, there's a lot of kids out there that are overrated. And then there's some kids out there who don't get the opportunity, and that's what my business so, is about. And if I played against you with a team of sixth graders, I could hold you at 85. <laughs> yeah, but Robert, if they did, they were on you. One of them was on UCLA's roster. But how, as a coach, if you were Steve Alford, these guys aren't good enough to play, but how are you going to deal with that with his their father screaming down your neck? Well, what you do is you set him up to look like he was shoplifting. And- <laughs> <laughs> Steve Alford, man. <laughs> Hey, it's, well it's, done. It's, it's the biggest, uh, uh, the best uh, planning I've ever seen. Oh, God like bless it. Steve Alford. Like yeah. Well, you know, LeVar got mad at the balls for not thanking him for getting out of China. China should have thanked Trump for getting him out of China. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. I couldn't believe the audacity of LeVar Ball when the president yeah. – 
That was the no trend. matter who the and, president and, is. Well, not just that. And feel any kind of way you want about Donald Trump, but in this instance, there is no doubt that had he and the State Department not intervened, those kids might well still be in China. Right. And it's a whole different world over there. You know, we wonder, and in, in here in America, we kind of make light of it. Uh, other parts of the country, they frown upon uh, shoplifting a little bit more um, definitively than we do here in the States. Anyway, I'm just going to say that yeah, many parts of the world feel like you did the crime, you're going to do the time. Right. And uh, Chinese labor camps, uh, man, that'd be a heck of a, a CrossFit regimen for you. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> so, Robert, how do you help kids, like, with your new business? How do, say I have a kid that plays basketball and he's really good. How do you help him out? Well, first we do a really detailed evaluation. Most of the time, either somebody's in your ear saying that you're better than you are, but you really need to be evaluated by someone who knows how to evaluate, see what level you can play. So we do a real detailed evaluation. If we think you're good enough that we can help you, we will work with you. If you're not, we will not. So okay, do you, how do you break that to the parent? My kid's not good enough. How do you break that to the parent? Well, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but what, what we'll do is uh, I'm going to work with some other companies because I'm, I'm going to take the boutique approach. I'm only working with a handful of kids. I'm not Walmart. I don't want to work with everybody because I can't do my job effectively for 800 kids. I can do it effectively for 50. Right. Um, so... If I don't think I can help you, I'm going to partner with some other people that think may may be able to help you. Very cool. And then if once we do the evaluation, we do marketing promotions, we put together a package, and we call coaches. I've not, I, I was I had to, my phone died, and and so I had to do transfer all my numbers. I realized I had 5,500 phone numbers. Oh. <laughs> so Jeez. I know a few coaches. So I'm able to personally call a lot of coaches and say, hey, listen, you know me. This kid can play. So can we uh, crank call Coach K? Let's not do oh, that. <laughs> what about Roy Williams? No, I like – I really do like Roy. Roy was an assistant oh, when I was in school. He was assistant at Carolina, and yep. I've known Roy. Roy's been always first-class guy with me. Okay. Thank so you. We, what about we Bob can't Knight? Not go, we we can no, we could crank call Bob, Bob Knight. Knight would come here and – Kill us. Thanks for not taking. Thanks for not taking the bait on Roy. By the way, appreciate it. How about how about Godfrey? I don't know him, but I'm willing to do it. Well, we we needed his number. That was the whole thing. I don't have his number, but I could I could get it. Out of 1500, you have to have Godfrey in there. 5500. 5500. That's pretty well. I have like seven. So as we we're kind of off track again, but what's your if you had to explain Coach K and how he is to be around on a daily basis, how how would you capture that? I think he's underrated in terms of his intelligence. He's a very smart guy, and he's always thinking about how pieces fit together to form a team and to put kids in position to. Make make sure they can be successful as well as the team be successful. So his his mind is nonstop, and uh, he he's very good at getting kids to understand their role and getting kids to buy in. Because you've been the best player in your state or your region for three years, and all of a sudden you might not get a lot of minutes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Grayson Allen's first year, yeah. uh, and he came in and did some great things in that run during the championship. But uh, he gets kids to buy in, and uh, you know, it's tough now because this starting five won't be there next year. You got to start all over again. Yeah, I think college basketball is a lot more fun the way it used to be. Right. You know what I mean? And we've talked a lot about how there might be some fixes for it for the one dunce. In 30 seconds, do you think that the NCAA and the NBA need to fix it, or is it not broken? We'll get your answer after the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Thanks for hanging out. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, thanks for hanging out. We're wrapping this up if you're listening on WBCC. Did I get the segments right? I think I screwed that up a couple weeks ago. No, you got it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you're listening on WDCC, after this segment, follow us over the web. You can find us in the iTunes podcast app at From the Cheap Seats. Check social media. We always post shows on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that rest of that stuff. You can find us at Cheap Seat Radio. We are here today with uh, former Duke basketball player. I toned it down since I was accused well, of being a stalker. My, <laughs> Robert Bricky is with us, and uh, I, we are not going to recap the um, 1990 title game with the UNLV. I was Thank already so chastised much. for that. Um, but we're talking about this academy. Is it fair to call it an academy that you're setting up? No, no, no. It's no? just uh, a consultancy, it's a maybe? Consult- I'm a, I'm a like marketing slash promoter slash okay. consultant. All right. And the the you know it's funny and we've seen this and I think it's it's even worse in college basketball than it is in college football. But you were talking about the recruiting process and having access to coaches and calling them directly say hey you need to check this kid out. In this day and age um the hype surrounding these kids from the time they're in about ninth or 10th grade is unbelievable. Right. But you know what? We're still missing it. There's more swings and misses on these guys, and there's guys that, you know, fall through the cracks and the rest of that. And I think that it, when you find a kid that has talent and has a good marketing machine behind him, right. 
you've got the magic formula. But too often what you're you're seeing is that you've got these really good players who don't have people around them that are steering them in the right direction as to how to get that brand out there and, and get in front of folks. And then you have other folks who are all hype and right. not a whole lot of substance. Correct. So the talent evaluation process for you, what 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 are the key things that you're looking for? Are you looking for athleticism? Are you looking for a refined skill set? Um what 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 catches your attention? All of the above, but it, it honestly it takes about three minutes to figure out who can play, and you'd be surprised. These are the things I watch. What do you do while you're on the bench? How do you warm up? How do you interact with your teammates? Are you cheering for your teammates when you're on the bench? Uh, do you communicate on D? Do you play hard on D? Uh, so all the thing offensively, that's easy. You guy can shoot, he can shoot. Anybody can identify that. If he's 6'11", you don't have to be very great. You just got to be able to rebound. Uh, if you're athletic, there's some athletes, athletes that are just so good, you got to recruit them. Uh, but it's all the other things. Are you going to be academically qualified? Do you have character references? Uh, have you taken and passed the ACT or SAT? So that's what we do. We put together an entire package with qualified players quality players and we help them get noticed because you may have played behind an All-American or you played in some small town or you didn't play on the circuit during the summer at the right events. So there's some quality players who don't get the exposure. Gotcha. It's kind of like when Dean Smith went to recruit Ed Geth and the game he was at, Joe Smith was there and he got Ed Geth and didn't recruit Joe Smith back in the day. I mean, he hit more times than not, but that stuff happens all the time. It happens all the time. There's no – it's not rocket science. It's an exact science. So you're going to miss sometimes. Gotcha. Now, you played the you played college basketball at the very highest levels. You've coached at the highest levels. You've been involved in the recruiting process. Um, who would you put – I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase that differently. Where would you put Marvin Bagley III in the pantheon of 18-year-old basketball wow. players you've ever seen? He's a unique talent. And I don't know how to define him completely because he does some really unique things. He's, he's bouncy. He's long. He's athletic. He can finish around the bucket. He can put the ball on the floor. He can make a three. So... And he's an unbelievable rebounder. I mean, that's that's a I don't know many guys that I can think of to put in the same category. So I I don't know how to fully define. And he hasn't even figured it out yet. Yeah. Well, it's last year. Chris and I were all over Jason Tatum last year. Right. But the day I fell in love with him is when he got a rebound and took it coast to coast. Now, if you watch the state game. Bagley did something very similar. He, he to be that big and be able to you said put it on the floor, but to go coast to coast right. transition, that's crazy. Yeah. I haven't seen a guy that big athletic. He throws the ball down it, at the basket. Right. It's not even to me, it's not the it's not the athleticism, it's not the skill set, it's not even the tenacity that he plays with. Because for a young kid coming in there, Jason Tatum's issues seem to be from the outside looking in that he was a little tentative little timid and didn't sort of figure it out until about February 1st. Bagley has obviously come in and and was ready to play from day one, but it's the finished 
part of his game. Right. And and I made the statement to you the other day, Brandon, that when I look at Marvin Bagley the third, I'm not even looking at a guy that's a potential number one pick in the in the draft. I'm looking at a kid that three or four years from now, legitimately, injuries aside, making sure he doesn't lose his dog on mine because it can happen. I'm looking at a guy that may well be in the conversation for the best player in the NBA three or four years from now. And I feel I, – I, I always like to temper things because I don't like to think in, in big grand, you know, and throw too much praise at somebody. But when I see that kid, every time I see him, I'm like, God, dog, I cannot believe what I'm watching this kid doing. And I'm watching Kevin Durant – when Kevin Durant was at Texas, except Kevin Durant couldn't put the ball on the floor. Well, and you can tell his build, he's not even fully filled out yet. Right. That was the concern. You know, Brandon Ingram never has filled out. Right. And that's what we were talking about last week, that I think some of these NBA coaches would like to see him in the college a little bit longer maybe. Right. And so that their development body-wise is not on their dime. But you can tell he's got the potential to really kind of bulk up and be right. – he's already a man, but – to really become a beast down low or wherever he wants to take his game is pretty amazing. So speaking of that, I asked the question going into the last segment and then forgot about it. Robert, when when we look at the NBA, college basketball used to be their minor league where you know you had these guys in school for at least three years, they turned them out and they went to the NBA. Then we went to the, you know, straight out of high school and any kid that was worth their salt for better or for worse, went ahead and went to the NBA. Right. Um, most of we, you know, we remember the Kobe's, the Kevin Garnett's, the LeBrons. We forget about the scores of kids. I think one year there were like forty-five high school kids declared for the draft. We forget about all the ones that never made a roster and wound up, in some cases, not ever playing pro ball anywhere, right. but playing in Europe, playing in whatever. Is the system broke, or is it just okay the way it is now, where we've got? You know, you're going to go to college for at least one year. Do we need to do something with the system, or is it okay? I personally would like to see them go to a two-year rule, but I think it's going to revert the other way and go back to allowing them to come right out of high school. Well, here's the here's what I would throw at you: is baseball in days gone by, Trent? You may remember that in baseball, players could be drafted every year. Yep. They could be drafted coming out of high school after their freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. And baseball has what I think is the fix. You can either come straight out of high school or you can go to college for three years, point blank. And I don't see that there's any harm in that, especially with these high school kids who I don't even think they should have to make the decision before the draft. Let them go, and if you're drafted and you're not satisfied with your draft, slot going to college for three years and major league baseball gets around it just fine if you draft one of those high school kids and they don't sign cool you get your draft pick next year well and hockey the way is it, the same way the way it currently i think you're right the way it currently is with the one and done if you're a kid that has no intentions of staying <clears> in school <throat> do you ever even go to class can you make yourself ineligible in a, a single year, like I mean, well, you, I mean, think about it. You can't really because you're only there for one term, right? Well, well you, you can you, you can twelve pause. hours of fluff classes to get you through the first semester. 
you'll register for second semester, but most of them don't even go to class. Yeah, look what happened with Derek Rose. You go take African American studies in the first term. (laughs) Double double. (laughs) Derek Rose got mental trouble because of what he did. Robert, Robert got a little tickled. Robert got a little tickled with that. Do you notice that? I hear you. (laughs) All right. So if you're listening on WDCC again, follow us over to the web. You can check us out. We're going to be at Libations on January 10th, on Wednesday, Wednesday, January 10th. We will be doing trivia over there. For those of you that are listening to radio only, we're going to do, I'm going to tease a couple categories. We're going to do cities, American cities, and... uh, Playoffs. Oh, NFL playoff trivia will be two of the categories. Come on out if you haven't played over there. We play for uh, all kinds of cool stuff. There'll be cool prizes. We have a good time. It's libations, purveyors of fine wines and craft beers in Sanford, North Carolina. Come check us out. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Robert Bricky hanging out. We've been talking hoops. We really, really, really owe it to the listeners. Talk a little bit about this weekend's football games. And, uh, man... I think you guys owe me an apology. Uh-oh. I said about six weeks ago, Andy Reid might be in his last season in Kansas City. That's actually a possibility again, I think. Andy Reid this weekend, with the Chiefs' collapse against Tennessee, became only the second coach, or excuse me, the first coach in NFL history to lose playoff two playoff games with at least a 17-point lead. That is an honor, I think. Yeah, but they reported he has more job security than anyone. I got you. Well, going they, nowhere. Kansas City has the second worst winning percentage in, the, I guess, the playoffs of any other NFL team. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not Cleveland because they never get to the playoffs, right? So it's kind of a weird stat. But, yeah – Kristen Lambert was trying to get Andy Reid fired. The only thing I can think of is that Kansas City, if you've ever been around a Kansas City Chief fan, that 
that's what they do is chief football, and they're just crazy. And didn't they run Schottenheimer out of yeah. town? They don't put up with a lot of losing. Well, they do put up with a lot of losing. They just try not to because Kansas City is sort of the almost the Chicago Cubs at this point. You know, Kansas City's a team you can count on year in, year out being good. But when it comes to crunch time, they're just they're not going to find a way. And Marty Schottenheimer with some of those co- with some of those teams there um, had them right there. You know, you had well, Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and those and those teams there. And now you've got a transition coming for Kansas City. I think it's a given that Alex Smith is moving on. Well, why do you say that though? And, and here's the point I'm trying to make: If you watch the Kansas City game, Alex Smith played really well. I feel like a lot of that wrongfully falls on him. I agree more to your point about Andy Reid. Their winning percentage when Kareem Hunt had rushed the ball per game more than 16 times was way up. Anytime he ran less than that, they lost. And he ran it even less for that in this playoff game. That's play calling. That's Andy Reid. That falls squarely on his shoulders. Listen, I'm not going to criticize any specific coaching things today. Not until Robert leaves. Robert has already put us on notice <laughs> that I am a coach and I look at a game completely different than the rest of I you. I said basketball. Basketball. Chris, I say it in my life. So you guys Chris. are not qualified to pass judgment on what's going on when grown folks are calling plays. That's Chris, kind of what he said, I think. Chris, tell him what he said off air. Tell him tell the crowd what he did to me off air just now, going into this break. Uh, told I, you that you couldn't drink Bud Light at 9 o'clock in the morning? I don't remember. What did he say? No, I tried to start talking basketball, and he looked at me like young Padawan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Brandon's talking about Seventh Woods, and the conversation comes in, and he's like, well, he's he's stuck behind Barry, and he can't get minutes because of this. And Robert just he kept it real. He said, and said if Woods was any good, he'd get minutes. I felt – like I had just been grounded when he looked at me and he was like, well, if he was real good, he would be playing now, wouldn't he? I, it, was, it was as solid as that. All right. Just it was my as solid opinion. as that. I get and, it. It's simple. And this weekend, see, you got me back on basketball. I'm You're sorry. so excited because we're talking basketball again. But North Carolina goes in, and I think that's five straight they've lost at Virginia. And Virginia is sort of the Georgia Tech of ACC basketball. They're impossible to to game plan for because they play a system unlike anybody else in the country. What I don't understand is why nobody else plays a system like Virginia. And I guess Wisconsin does to a certain extent. I'll tell you. Why why is that? Part of it is kids today don't want to play in that system. There you go. Kids want to run and press and shoot threes and score 89 points a game. And it's hard to recruit a five-star, four-star kid and say, hey, we're only going to score 52 points a game. Yeah. Well, and you can So put- he just did it to me, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I No, said- that's, a, that, that's an excellent point. And, uh, that's, well, and that's I said for years, doing. Herb Sindek couldn't beat Carolina or Duke. That's what partially got run him out of town. Right. But it's also the Princeton offense. Kids right. don't want to play that. No. It's uh, – if you're a four man, it's the worst position, and it's boring, and it's I mean it's effective if you don't have the talent to match other teams. Right. So it's kind of, not a I want to call it a junk offense, but it's just not a gimmick. I don't know what the word is, but you can call it a junk offense. Okay. It's okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I forgot what show I was on. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's it's good if you've got really intelligent and skilled players and your talent is not as good. It's a good offense to run. Right, got it. Shoot, you know what I made it out of that conversation not feeling like crap. <laughs> Whew, I brought up a point and didn't feel like I'm the worst person on earth, and I just got dealt with. You so. did. <laughs> All right, back to football. Andy Reid. I'm not going to bash Andy Reid. I'm not going to bash Kansas City. What I'm going to do is sing the praises of Derrick Henry. Yeah, beast. Derrick Henry this year in the fourth quarter gained almost 400 yards. He was like the second leading rusher in the NFL in fourth quarter yards. And I'm going to tell you, there aren't many things in life that make me shudder or scare me. Dude, I'm not going to tackle that dude <laughs> coming downhill. That is a monster. So you're Revis. Bro. <laughs> and, dude, did you see Brandon Marshall put him on blast? Yep. Did, you on, are you a Twitter it. guy? No. No? All right, we got to hook that up, man. You're talking about doing the marketing and the hype and all that stuff. Well, we well, get... You're my guy. All right, well, cool. Dude, Brandon Marshall basically put uh, Darrell Revis out there and said, if that's the kind of effort you go and give, it's time to hang up the cleats. Wow. It was a quote. Believe. I think I just quoted him. Yeah. and But Revis, he wasn't alone. Did there Brandon, were a lot of business decisions being made. And in a game like that, to see guys kind of getting out of the way of that monster coming downhill, that dude is a beast. And Brandon Marshall was like, believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's, why I, I that's get, why I play offense, dog. I'm not, I'm not trying to tackle him either. I don't know. If Brandon Marshall was off his meds, he'd probably try to hit well, Derrick Henry. Henry, so. Henry is already getting the start against the Pats. So the Pats are going to get a healthy dose of him. We'll see what they're made well, of. Henry may be better suited for the fourth quarter. You have him wear down, you know, and, and then the you thing. come in and you smack him in the mouth. you got to give Mariota some credit. You do have to give Mariota some credit. Because he did though, everything. Well, he literally. He threw a touchdown, <laughs> caught a touchdown. Now, my wife, who Blocked. is a oh, – She's kind to me in her tolerance of sports. She came in just after the touchdown pass to himself. <laughs> and I was like, you got to see this. And I rewound it. And she was like, oh, my God, that was cool. I don't get that kind of reaction. I thought she was going to go, oh, my God, Mariota's fine. No, she normally (laughs) reserves that reaction for whatever quarterbacks. Um, And just to to bring Robert up to speed, my wife in two consecutive weeks, first of all, saw Jimmy Garoppolo for the first time and dropped a, oh, God. (laughs) And then in the national championship semifinal, Jake Fromm, she looked and was like, oh, my God, he has the prettiest eyes. So, you know, my my relationship, ladies, I, I may be single at some she, point. Ned, I I, Ned I, is like, I watched some football with you, baby. Yeah, right? Is, is Garoppolo playing? Are the 49ers she's on? Checking, she's checking the rosters to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can watch that game. No, oh, but she, oh, check this, though. We're watching the Golden Globes this weekend, and Laura Dern comes out. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't stand. Damned her. She's looking for Baron Darren Davis. I didn't know. She's with Baron Davis. And I was like, okay, well, you know, former athletes got himself a Hollywood starlet. No, it's the opposite. Laura Dern is 50. And my wife broke that down. She's like, yeah, she's dating some basketball player. And I was like, really? Who? Mm, Baron somebody. So I go straight to the internet, and there's Laura Dern and Baron Davis hugged up. Well, first of all, he really did go crazy. Well, he did go. First of all, <laughs> Baron Davis still married, so Uh-oh. there's a there's a whole problem there. Apparently, that, that's that my wife broke that down. To me. Well, 
Depends on your religious choice. Sure, I suppose. Amish or uh, Mormon. 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 I went to it and I thought. I guess I'll milk some cows if I get a bunch of wives. Well, I immediately thought, Laura Dern is older than me, I think. So I went out. She's 50 years old. And I told my wife, Baron Davis is like 10 years younger than her. He's 12 years younger. He's 38. So 38 years old. She done roped herself a very wealthy former basketball player who's, I will never forget, blowing his ACL out, hanging from the rim. You remember that? No. Anyway. Yeah. He blew his knee out in college. If I'm, Was it college? Yeah, he did it twice. Yeah. yeah. Hanging on the rim, came down, came down wrong, blew oh. his knee out. He was but Baron Davis was a heck, of a, base, a, a, a heck of a baseball player. Heck of a basketball player. But anyway, that's my last Golden Globe moment. For today, I, I hope so. I but he wasn't there with her, was he? Uh, because everybody so. on Twitter was like, "Oh, where's Baron? Where's Baron?" Yeah, Nothing. Baron Davis must have some history of you know sexual assault or misconduct or something, because none uh, of those folks were invited. I don't know. Maybe, if you'd have watched it last with, night, he was with his wife, maybe. Yeah, at home I'm watching. watching at home. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, last night was a celebration of girl power. And there were every speaker got up and alluded to all of the allegations about Hollywood and all that, which to me a little bit seemed disingenuine only because a lot of these folks knew about this stuff years and years and years and years ago. Right. They weren't willing to be the one that blew the whistle. Now, fast forward, I guess that's all immaterial. And at this point, it's a good thing that they're sort of cleaning that up. If you're a sexual predator or you don't understand what's permissible and what's not, um, shame on you and your time has come, so get on out of there. But it is interesting with some of these allegations that have been made about some of the things that have been done in the presence of women, I don't even know where that thought process starts. No, it's insane. And I've seen some of these and been like, he did what? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. Not that it was okay, but that you just could Form your mind up and decide that that was permissible. I don't get it. So I have no sympathy for these idiots. And especially folks that have that have been in a position of power and abused that, shame on you. And you're going to get everything the universe owes you. It also looks like you have a competition for the year 2020 with your candidate, Dave Grohl. Because mm, everyone is yelling and uh, hooping and hollering for Oprah to run for president well, in 2020. Well, it's funny because... Uh, um, Oprah and Michelle. Years ago, looking for. there was, you know, Donald Trump was told you cannot win. And it was in one of these award shows. You couldn't be president. And people have said that's the reason that he ran. Well, Seth Meyers, during the telecast last night, said if history is going to repeat itself, then Oprah, you can never be president. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Meyers. <laughs> Has it out for Trump. I mean, I mean, Trump causes his own issues, but Seth Meyers won't stop talking about the, the president. It's no. hilarious. But football, bros. I think, I think Seth Meyers is still just mad because he got hey, his ass kicked in high school. Brandon, like, did you see? Every day. There's a new owner of the uh, Carolina Panthers. Boom. No, I didn't. Yeah. Who is it? The New Orleans Saints. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And wow. that was the headline Boom. on the newspaper down in New Orleans. Wow. Thank you. I like that. So, in the premium matchup this weekend, the Carolina Panthers had every opportunity to beat Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and the Saints and just could not get it done. And with about a minute and a half left when they got the ball back, 
I texted you, Brandon. This is where legends are made. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton didn't do his part. Cam Newton thought he was back in Charlotte because he had, had his bell rung. They took him under the tent. But, but, Brandon, he went into the tent. Yeah, and he was cleared. You mean the magic tent? He no. went into the magic tent and obviously was cleared or they would not have allowed him to come back in the game. And he thought he was still on Auburn. I'll tell you what, the one thing that made me mad and should make Panthers fans mad everywhere is you saw Sean Payton in the locker room with the broom, the broom handing it around. <laughs> What coach have you ever seen do that in front of a camera? He was basically handing his players the broom. And it's true. We got swept. But I hope every single Panther saw that. You mad, bro? Yeah, I'm mad, bro. <laughs> I want to take that broom and whop them right upside the, the head. And you know it. what? Drew Brees doesn't care. Sean Payton doesn't care. Those guys are on a mission. And New Orleans, which is funny because coming into the season, there was no hoopla. Nobody on that. Yeah. Tampa, know, Bay was gonna be, Tampa Bay was going to be eating W's. Yeah, eating W's. <laughs> All right, so we've got the Titans and Derrick Henry with an assist from Mariota get past Kansas City. We'll talk about just how bad Blake Bortles is on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We're talking about NFL playoffs, and I want to go to that Jacksonville-Buffalo game. That first half, well, let me say this first. The second half of that game was the second worst quarter of football I watched all season. Matched and surpassed only... By the first half of that sorry-ass game. It was, was the, uh, painful. It was the matchup between the movable object and the stoppable force <laughs> in the first half. It was unbelievable. And just, look, I'm going to say, and, and we've, we just I just got done saying earlier, I don't like talking to these extreme terms. Blake Bortles is the worst quarterback I've ever seen win a playoff game. Well, you know how Mariota threw a touchdown to himself? Bortles would throw an interception to himself. <laughs> That's how bad he is. I Yesterday, or over the weekend, I think that America at large had heard about Blake Bortles. They had heard about the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. But I don't think that anybody had gotten to see either one of those things on full display with their undivided attention in a game that mattered. And that Jacksonville defense is stupid. They're amazing, and it's not one component of that defense. You've got your front that can get pressure without bringing the blitz. 
you've got an athletic core of linebackers and then a secondary that will absolutely lock you down. That defense is really, really top shelf. Blake Bortles is garbage. Boom. I don't know how else to put it. And as badly as I've seen him play over the last three or four years, that demonstration this weekend against the Bills, oh dear. And it's not, it wasn't even the yips. It wasn't the footwork. It was the whole total sum of everything. The mechanics for a kid that has been playing quarterback since he was six or seven years old. If you watch his footwork, it could not be worse. He causes himself, when there's no one around him, to throw off his back foot, to throw the ball sidearm. He's everything that's bad about Phillip Rivers without any of the good. Well, it just goes to show how, and this is the no-dust statement of the year, how important quarterbacks are in this league. The the Philadelphia Eagles are the first number one seed dog, I think, in the NFL. There are two-and-a-half-point dogs. They're saying if Wentz played, they'd be six-and-a-half-point yeah. favorites. I'm surprised they're only a two-and-a-half-point dog. If you're into that sort of thing, you need to take those points. Entertainment purposes only. You need to. Atlanta's going to cover. I'm telling you, Atlanta wins by at least two touchdowns. Atlanta's going to beat the brakes off of it. How many times are we going to hear the battle of the birds? Uh, once, because oh, okay. nobody else is going to say that. Okay. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> Never heard of that. I was Okay, I guess you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> He's an innovator. He is an innovator. And speaking of innovations, man, um, we should have come up with the idea of the concussion tent. And I almost think we've got enough space in here in the studio to put a concussion tent in. You down with that? Sure. Because there are times throughout the broadcast where I wonder, <laughs> is Trent suffering from a concussion? Is there a head injury here? What's what? going on? I and I don't know why I picked out Trent. I just because I'm looking at you, I and I didn't want to see the hurt in your eyes if I directed that at you. That's that's what just happened. But okay. uh, Tim, we're gonna need to get a tent in here. We got that. All right. What goes on inside the tent stays inside. I think the they tent. call their moms, the, the injured person from the stands, and they they rub some dirt on it, kiss her on the forehead. Pat him on the butt and send him back out onto the field. That it could be what happens. I'm Mike. I had a daughter. I had a daughter. I have lots of daughters. One of my daughters last year, this past soccer season, suffered a concussion, and it took three weeks before she got in. And her concussion did not involve being hit at full speed by a six foot six, three hundred pound man. Yeah. Oh no, Hers Chris was a matter of getting hit in the back of the head with a soccer ball. Robert and it Chris, took three weeks to get through protocol. Robert, Chris has got some kids. He's like I the Philip Rivers of the <laughs> sports radio. <laughs> and uh, I'm a fiery competitor, just like Philip have, Rivers. Have you ever had a concussion? I know. I believe I have. I believe I have. I'm not sure. I had one, and let me tell you, it took me about a month. I mean, I couldn't. I had to turn the lights out in my office. Mm. I, could, I had to wear shades outside. The sun would make my head hurt. If it was hot, it was weird. You know, and what? it took me at least a month to get over it. And if I'm not mistaken, you got that when you hit your head on the rim. No, not that time. Did but. did Jr. Reed apologize after he gave you a concussion? <laughs> I was playing pickup ball at James Madison with when Tyler I was Hansborough. <laughs> 
and uh, hit heads with a guy. And then it felt funny, but the next six hours, I could tell I was on a slow decline. Mm-hmm. And it took me at least 30 days, maybe even 45, to feel like I was back to myself. Well, that's what makes Cam Newton a superior athlete because it took him approximately 45 seconds to recover from his <laughs> that all of America saw him got on on Sunday night when he got stuck. And I don't <laughs> – I, I've never seen a guy so obviously woozy. He didn't even make it off the off the field. He almost and goes died. to me and is like, "I'm done." Well, I love how the TV announcers uh, said that. Oh, they're told to kneel down yeah. so you can get the other guy left. They're making excuses he was, for him. He was trying to get that TV timeout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they could come up with a game plan. I'll tell you what. Save the Panthers is they. I, you know they're investigating that. But the fact that they're not playing again this year kind of saves them. It might. Because But what do you do in that case? Do you say, well, he shouldn't have gone back into the game, so he's suspended for the next game? Well, and they're going to point to the McCaffrey pass where you took it to the house. That was a four-yard pass. I know, right? And McCaffrey did all the work. You know what I mean? I wonder if Cam remembers that pass. He's like, Olsen, remember I hit you for that 65-yarder? <laughs> <laughs> remember Devin Funches? You actually made an effort to catch the ball on third and 23 at the end of the game? Cam's remember? like, hey, y'all, remember that in the fourth quarter with a little bit of time left? I hit Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> hey, Cadillac, remember when I handed off to you in the national title game? <laughs> you just go, you just, oh, wow. I'm lost. He took it to another level. Oh, you just crossed your ears there. Well, there's supposed to be a concussion protocol, but what exactly is it? Because it seems to change week to week depending on the – the importance of the game and the television well, and the radio. Same yeah. with making but, a catch. But Robert, we've already established that because if you're Jay Cutler and you take a shot to the head, you're like, dog, I'm out. <laughs> if a hot in dog wrapper hits you in the helmet, you're out for even, a month. It doesn't even require anything contacting your head. If you're just stabbing a bad day, I concussion, I got to go. You take right. yourself out of the game. If you're Marcus Mariota and you get choke slammed down to the ground, bang your head up, and everybody watches you puke on the sidelines, um, if your team needs you, you're going to get back out there. Well, no you know, concussion. You know the coach for Jacksonville sees Bortles skin his knee, and he's like, oh, you got a concussion. <laughs> you got to come out. Take him to the tent. <laughs> Poor Jay Cutler's like, wait, what's the audible? Oh, no, concussion. Yes. I had to think. So what? watching this game this weekend with Jacksonville, and I'm listening to Tony Romo. God bless you, Tony Romo. He showed more restraint than anybody could ever be expected to and would not say anything negative about Blake Bortles, the entire telecast. I don't know how he managed to do it. Tyrod wasn't very much better. I mean, he was was floating every pass that he attempted. There was one point that Tony Romo was like, man, I know the wind has picked up here in Jacksonville, but geez, it's not... 40 miles an hour. What do you think it would have taken? How much do you think Jacksonville would have given on Sunday about halfway through the second quarter to, like, presto change and put Bortles in the booth and bring Romo down to run that offense? Hey, they won. It doesn't matter. It was unbelievable. And uh, 10-3 was your final as Jacksonville manages not just one touchdown but one drive – the entire game, they managed to go 87 yards and and 
I cannot believe they went for it on fourth and two to get that touchdown and actually put the game in Bortles' hands rather than kick the field. So who was the last quarterback to throw for less than 100 yards in a playoff game and win? I'm going to guess Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl against Seattle. Am I right? Steve McNair in the Music City Miracle, the last time Buffalo was in the playoffs. Come on. So the last two times they've lost games against a quarterback that hadn't thrown for – I hundred yards. I should have saved that for the uh, trivia at the restaurant. I know, right? Well, well, you know what? Anybody that's listening, I'll just amend the questions, and that'll be in there. I like that. That's a good question. I kind of still delight that was a Ford pass and then miracle. Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, that yeah, it was. It was. If yeah. there was what replay, was then yeah, Steve Wycheck, I think, was the one that made the pass. Uh, was it Derek Mason or Kevin Dyson? I think Dyson. I think it was Kevin Dyson. But you know. Buffalo screwed that up anyway. Who started at quarterback for Buffalo in that game? Was it was Flutie? It, I think it was – yeah, was it Flutie or Frank White? No, it was Flutie. Flutie. And Rob Johnson was sitting – Rob Johnson oh, yeah, had been Rob. their starter all year. That guy – he got a raw deal with regard hey, to Flutie. Robert. Anyway. You don't know this, but Chris is a huge Steelers fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And I want to ask him how he feels about – he's actually a Bengals fan. Chad Johnson okay, wait, wait. helping – Huh? Why? Why is he a Bengals fan? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I thought you're we from were Austin, right? I went to high school in Austin. I'm a military kid. Okay, so I was born in Ohio and moved all over, oh. and then as an adult, moved all over too. Well, so. uh, I'm gonna say at this point, you should use your better judgment. <laughs> change teams. Nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Two more years for Marvin Lewis. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Professor Trent Nichols here with Brandon Atkins. Robert is still hanging out with us, and we've got a new guy coming in, celebrating his victory this weekend from state. Patrick Kelly. Patrick Kelly. Thank y'all for having me. Grace in our presence. So we we ditched Chris. He's going into a concussion protocol (laughs) as we speak from his fall. On ice, the yeah. Uh, for for those that don't know, he had to change pants this morning because he slipped on some ice, and so he's got kind of an off-colored, some off-colored britches to go with that jacket. He's on the way to, to an important business meeting in Raleigh. Well, since so. we think he has a concussion and he had to change pants, he fell on, he landed on his brain. So oh, nice. He has brains in his butt, I guess. Well, Robert, you don't know Patrick Kelly, but by the time you finish talking to him for about five minutes, you're going to want to dunk all over him. 
Kind of like if a dude dumped on uh, Duke the other night. <laughs> wow. Shots wow. fired already. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about what's going on in New England. Have y'all been following this with the the, the Brady right. Belichick thing? Robert, isn't that crazy that they would try to mess mess up such a good thing? Well, what's the guy's name who's Brady's trainer? Guerrero, slash? I believe. He seems a little shady to me. Okay. So why would you want him associated with your team if he's got – didn't he claim to be a doctor at one point and had some other shady – and you're a professional organization. Right. Why would you want that to be a part of your group? And It seems – and I know it's Brady's guy and you got to kind of yeah. do some things that Brady likes to do, but – he seems so. You're saying that to be a distraction. If you needed a doctor, you're not going to Guerrero. No, Is that what I'm he's, hearing? He's got some pseudoscience with some statistics that make it sound good, but it's really. I mean, Brady's bought into it, but but does that work for anybody else? But what are you going to be saying when Brady's playing at 80 years old? Are you going to be dogging yeah, Guerrero yeah, then? So, but here's the here's the risk. He's not a certified physician, right? right. He's right. not the team doctor. So all of a sudden, Brady's talking all these players in to go in and see these players. Now, if I was Bilicek too, I mean, at some point you got to pull a plug. And right. then there's a report that the uh, the backup quarterback just got traded. I'm Garoppolo. Garoppolo went. Just ask Nedge. And <laughs> he goes, and nobody's there, and he can't get an appointment. So there's this kind of little childish game plan going on with Brady and that. We don't know what this guy's giving these people. Right. All of a sudden, your team starts failing drug tests because he's giving them something that is on the banned substance, which hasn't happened, but potentially. Possibility. I mean, if I was Bilicek too, pull the plug, dude. Right. You know, so Kobe uh, Bryant has the, doctors in Europe. They go over and do this stuff, but those guys aren't coming back. Tiger Woods, right, all these guys. Right. Do you want your quarterback and others talking to guys who are not certified physicians or trainers because what what is he telling them that might be contrary to what your doctor or trainers might say exactly yeah well i think the most intriguing thing to me was Kraft has solidly sided with brady and a, a lot of people don't know this but new players that join the patriots actually a lot of them refer to brady as sir Wow. He is considered basically Patriot senior brass around that place. Right. And there's two things. I think this has kind of come to a head with Deflate Gate, which is old news. But if you remember, Bilichick back in the day said when he was asked, he was like, well, you need to talk to the quarterback. He really didn't put up the shield for his guy. Right. And some people seem to believe that that's something that's kind of stuck around with Brady. And then, um, you know, the shipping out of Garoppolo – you know, going into the season, he was untouchable, right? Right. They ended up getting less for him from San Francisco, got less for Garoppolo, who's, I guess, finished the season on a five-game winning streak. And uh, something's fishy there. It's I, It reeks of Brady going to Kraft or Kraft going, hey, right. you need to trade this guy because our, right. our main I think it's not the happy. end of the Belichick era. And this is why. This is my conspiracy theory. Putting the pieces together. Kraft mandates that he gets rid of what Bilicek believes is the future quarterback. His coaches are going to retire. 
His two coordinators are getting head coach's job. Bilicek says, fine, you're going to mandate it. I'm going to sell this guy for a second-round pick when he was getting multiple first-round picks before the season. Right. Bilicek knows he's gone. The Patriots, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, they're going to wake up and they're not going to have a coaching staff. But, but they're going to they- lose Bilicek. And Bilicek is going to go to the New York football giants, trade Eli Manning to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and build his empire in New York where he came from. And but that's I, my conspiracy theory. Belichick is 60. He's he can go. 60. The New York Giants don't have a GM. So he can go in as the head coach and the and GM, GM, groom his replacement for two or three years, move up into the, French, uh, the front office, and stick it to Robert Kraft. But don't you think most of the other NFL teams are looking at this like, or what are y'all doing? Like, I mean, y'all are – you know, putting an end to a dynasty over some silly stuff. Most of the other NFL teams have probably been shaking their head for the last 11 years going, how do these two big egos, Bilicek and Brady, survive this long? Three, if you've never been around Kraft, he's got an ego too. You know what I mean? So, you know, winning solves everything, but if they start losing and they lose in the playoffs or they don't win the Super Bowl, this has all come to a head. Right. What, What causes the breakup of most great organizations or groups? It's usually something silly. Right. So this is no different. Even and, the Beatles broke up. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, historically, great organizations, groups break up for what reasons? Generally not great reasons. Well, I think it makes for awesome theater because I think everybody has always <clears throat> asked the question, is it Belichick or Brady? Right. And now it looks like you might be able to find out. Now, Brady's going to be 41 next year so. I don't care what doctor he's going to. His skills will start to deteriorate over time. At some point, yeah. But he's got a couple more good years left, if 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 you're with me on that. But we'll get to see. And where does Belichick go? The ultimate punk move or screw you move would either be to the Giants or to San Francisco. <clears throat> Follow his guy to San Francisco, right. Garoppolo, and go, look, look what we could have done there in New England had you just you know stuck with me. Yeah. It would be great if he could go to the New York Jets <laughs> or somebody in the division. Right. Go to Buffalo and build that team and beat that. Because New England, I mean, you're going to lose Bilicek. Brady is going to decline, and it's probably going to be real quick. They're going to be a mess because you're not going to get – now there's going to be drama in the locker room because people are going to act like, well, shoot, dad's gone. I don't right. care. I'm not right. listening to you anymore. And I think – I think one thing Belichick does well is he's built a culture and people have bought into that culture and that's why they're successful. And I'm I'm sure he could reproduce that at another uh, site, but can another coach come in behind the legend and do the same thing? Yeah. It'll be difficult. Well, he kind of – he operates – with an iron fist, right? Right. And you can do that when you got multiple rings. Like right. any player, I don't care, like a veteran, new player, whatever, you're not looking at somebody with that many rings and go, Psh, you don't know what you're talking about. That's the problem. With all of his disciples that go somewhere else, they try to operate in the same way, and they're Doesn't like, work. what have you done? Right. Yeah. You know? I mean, you go in. Anybody, any team that can take Randy Moss, who was one of the most outlandish wide receivers during his time – and for three years that he was with the Patriots, he never heard a peep out right. of. You and know, he you got to respect that. Productive. Phil Jackson. All he had to do is, you want to play for the Bulls? You want to play for the Lakers? 
Just well, show the, his hand. On the flip I mean, side of that, I, th- I thought uh, Chad Johnson had still had some juice when he went to the Patriots. Right. He opens his mouth, and Belichick shut him down. He was never the same. Right. Corey so, Dillon had a history of issues and off-field issues before. He went to the Patriots and had some of the best years of his life after he left Cincinnati. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be curious to see. I mean, there's Aaron Hernandez. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. You went too far. Uh, <laughs> you killed that one, Brandon. Sorry, nice brother. job. Sorry, brother. So, who's everybody's favorites? Let's go around the table. Patrick, you've been kind of quiet over there. Like, uh, who you pull, not pulling for, but who you think is going to win the Super Bowl? All right, year? well, this weekend. Let's start this weekend. Okay. All right? Saturday, your early game is the Falcons versus the Eagles. Brandon. Oh, I take. Um, I agree with Chris. Without Wentz, I don't think they have much of a chance. Uh, you, if you've seen um, – what's the backup's name? I can't Nick think Foles. Of. Nick Foles. He's running around there like he doesn't – after that first game when they hadn't prepped for him, these past two games people have been able to game playing. He looks like plan. Napoleon Dynamite now, truly. <laughs> so he's running around like a chicken. So I take, I take Atlanta in that one. What do you think, Patrick? Just because of last year and being an underdog person I am, I would go with the Falcons as well. Falcons. I'll take the Falcons because of the quarterback. That's right. And I think uh, Foles, like you say, they'll prepare for Foles. And uh, what's Atlanta's quarterback's name? Uh, Matty Ice. Matt Matty yeah. Ice. Yeah. Matty Ice has been good. He was MVP last year, year before last. I think it was last year. Yeah. Last year. So uh, I'm going to, all things being equal, Atlanta's running game and quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's. Not a lights-out offense like they had last year. They were unbelievable last year at offense. The last two games, their defense has been a shutdown. You take Carson Wentz out of it, I mean, Atlanta has got to be one of the favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. i got to go with the Atlanta Falcons as well. Then you roll into the 8-15 on CBS. You got the Tennessee Titans versus... The turmoil, New England Patriots. I'm going to pick the Patriots just because, um, but I'll be pulling for the I – I want Marietta to throw two touchdowns to himself <laughs> and beat the Patriots. But we I all do. I have a hard time. You know, sometimes teams, even when they're bickering, this team seems to find a way to – like on game day just right. to put it all together. And they, they all want to win. They all want to be able to gloat. I don't care what kind of egos are in, in-house. in They all want that, right. what, sixth ring? So, There's a dynasty they got to live up to, and they're not going to let it fall. Right. So I'm going to go with the Patriots as well. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll concur. It's the same. Like you say, they, they manage to put egos aside and issues aside and manage to figure out a great game plan and execute. So they I'll take the, the Patriots. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to bet against the Patriots. I picked them all along to win the Super Bowl, so I'm gonna easily match up. I think you know the Patriots will take care of that. Don't you love when these radio personalities have to throw in there? I've been picking them all along. I just like to remind everybody. <laughs> if you had just listened to me, <laughs> who's up next? We got Sunday's game. You got the early game: the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, um, definitely the Steelers. <laughs> Even without Antonio Brown? Well, if, well right now, Ch- Chad Johnson, I was picking on Chris. He's a big Bengals fan. Chad Johnson's working out. Antonio Brown says he's fine. So if Antonio Brown, you're talking about, I don't know, Jacksonville, maybe not. 
They're, with their defense, they may not blow them out, but I just think they got too much. It, <clears throat> every nut finds a squirrel every now and then, so I'm going with the Steelers. So. Steelers. Okay. I'll take Steelers. Running game, uh, Le'Veon Bell's tough. Yeah. And then is Roethlisberger still playing? Did yeah. he retire? No, no man. Okay. I, I we he thought he sure did earlier. He, he alluded to, right. well, maybe I don't have it anymore. Yeah, but. yeah. So, but he's bounced back and had some really good games. And he's had some five interception games as well. But I think he'll pull it together. And the combination of uh, running, passing, and Steelers' defense – I think I'll, I'll take the Steelers. Speaking of five interception games, one of Roethlisberger's five interception games this year was against Jacksonville. I don't think that can be repeated. As we talked at length, Blake Bortles, <laughs> you only find lightning. You only catch lightning in the bottle once. I don't. Right. I don't think they can pull through. I think we're headed to that Steelers Patriot AFC Championship, That's what like everyone will, thought. Everybody wants to see that. The game I'm most intrigued with, the night, the afternoon game, Saints traveling to Minnesota to play the the uh, Vikings. This one's interesting. I'm intrigued with it, too. Um, I think Saints showed a lot of new stuff to the Panthers yesterday. Um, I really think they had a chance to game plan because, really, you know, every all the other dominoes were falling – but nothing really could change in the last two weeks, and we'll cover that on the other side. You're listening to the From the Cheap Seats. One more segment to go. We'll finish this up. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back, last segment. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. You get a gold star if you're here on the uh, the podcast or WBLZ app. Uh, we're talking playoffs. We're to the last uh, divisional game, the uh, Saints and Vikings. So we're on the Saints and Vi- Vikings. My point I was trying to make on the hard break was Saints were a number three seed. Carolina was a number five seed. That was never going to change, really, over the last two weeks. Saints had a lot of time to prepare, and they basically said, we, we know this Panthers team, we've played them two other times, we know what their weaknesses are. So I think it would be – I think the Saints might struggle in Minnesota. Like, I feel like that may be – and, you know, Minnesota, I think the Super Bowl is in Minnesota this year. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, they have a lot to play for. <laughs> Imagine playing in front of your home crowd. So I'm actually going to be picking the Vikings on this one. I'll go along with that. Looking at the game yesterday, the Panthers lost it for themselves. We're yeah. drop pass. This is a game over missing the first field goal. So um, the Panthers didn't deserve to win yesterday as much as I wanted to. So uh, I'm going with the Vikings as well. Gotcha. Who is starting at quarterback now for the Vikings? Case, Case Keenum. Keenum has Case pretty much Keenum. been there all year. And we've been waiting for him to uh, – Emerge. 
Well, yeah, Emerge has not been as good, but he's he's played. He's had a heck of a year with Minnesota. Now, didn't they start out with uh, who was the starting quarterback? Start beginning of the Sam year? Bradford. Bradford got hurt. Yep. After Bridgewater got hurt, right? And Case Keenum came along. Okay. Yep. yep. All that being said, and this makes no sense, but I'll take <laughs> I'll take the Vikings as well. Isn't that crazy that Teddy's still sitting on the bench? I mean, right. he's cleared to play. Right? He's good. Yeah. He's been good yeah, for the last three or four weeks. Yeah, right. but so, I mean, you got to ride the hot hand, right. I guess. He's so. gotten them here. They got a bye week. They won their division. Case Keenum. So week one, the Vikings beat the Saints twenty nine nineteen. They held the Saints to under 50 yards rushing with Adrian Peterson, Ingram, and Kamara playing, and they totally shut them down. Sam Bradford actually threw for 346 yards. What that tells me is the Saints are going to have to pass the ball. If they pass like they did, if Drew Brees is lights out like he was against the Panthers, I think they have a better shot. Minnesota's defense all year has been better than the Carolina Panthers. Case Keenum is my only hiccup. I mean, this is the biggest game he's probably ever played in. Uh, But The only thing I would say is I'm not even sure – I haven't focused on their running game, but the only thing that they had then was Dalvin Cook was setting the world on fire at the beginning of the season, and they mm-hmm. don't have him back, right. you know, the running back. So maybe that let Bradford get a little more loose against the Saints' defense because they had to really respect what Dalvin was doing. Yeah. What if Casey gets hurt and Terry sees his chance to come in and just finishes it out? Yeah. I mean, well, he's yeah. going to That's basically how Tom Brady got his start, right? Exactly. See, I would love to see the Vikings win. I I would love to see a home team for the Super Bowl. I mean, I think that would be a pretty neat thing. That means if the Vikings win and Atlanta wins, the Vikings could not only host the NFC Championship, they would host the Super Bowl the next week, which is – that's pretty crazy that all – the perfect storm would arise to align all the stars in that. Well, And then you got – the two weeks after the playoffs, then there's a two-week gap unless they've stopped stop that to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Think about being able to prep all week and be able to drive At in home. from your house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – It makes a difference. You don't have trip. to worry about getting hotels for your whole family and right. everybody that comes out of the woodwork, the dealing now, with the tickets and the everything. That could work the other way too. When you're at home, there are more distractions. Yeah. Sometimes when you get away from all those things, family and True. friends and the distractions that – that come with being in your hometown, you're able to focus on the game a little more. But if you're the weather and you playing at home and it's cold, that'll go to your advantage. Uh, yeah, true. Well, you play in North Carolina the way it's been the last <laughs> 10 days. Yeah, don't ask Lee County schools about the four and a half inches of snow and ice that we got here. Just shut the whole county down. No comment. At least they do. I mean, Moore County was late to the game and, and we suffered out there having kids waiting at gas stations on the school bus in the middle of a blizzard waiting to get picked up by their parents. But, wow. oh, well, I'll get over it. I guess that <laughs> spring break is going to be about, what, 30 minutes long? Yeah. <laughs> All these days are missing. No, but it's been good. I mean, you know, I've been getting to hang out with the kids. But you make a good point. Yeah, there could be – sometimes coaches, depending on the sport, they'll actually go get a hotel for the team yeah. and say, hey, listen, let's – 
you know, no offense to the family, the wives, and things like that, but let's get together. You know, maybe we'll have a team meeting <laughs> in the hotel. Well, college football does that even. They do it all the time. Yeah. They, yeah. So, all, even on home games. They, home games. They quarantine stays, stays their teams away, or into a hotel. Because they, they want to have meetings and well, wonder, plays I, and watch film. and So you want your mind focused on the game in hand rather than girlfriends and tickets and parties and the other things. There's curfews and team meals. Well, they're probably – I mean, the Vikings will probably have to do that. But, you know, having that home field advantage, not that in the Super Bowl you can have much one or the other, but – just the electricity in the right. stadium that you're from. Well, in Minnesota fans, I don't know how much you guys have been around them, but they love their Vikings mm-hmm. and their football people too. So I'm imagining that as soon as the announcement was made, a lot of those guys had planned Went on going ahead and scooping up those tickets. Right. And so they will, they should have a home field advantage. Now I know everybody from everywhere comes in to watch the Super Bowl. Me personally, I'd rather get – kicked in the shin to fight that crowd to watch the game in person. I love watching it at my house. But, um, yeah, those guys being able to go right to the brand-new facility in Minnesota. um, And that is – I'm pretty sure all that's inside, so weather should not be a factor. Uh, I remember their old dome that basically caved in that year. It was like, oops, time for a new one. (laughs) (laughs) People could have been killed. I think it was sabotaged. I think the Vikings had a plan to sabotage the stadium <laughs> right? so they can get a new one. And yeah. I loved how they played outside at the uh, University of Minnesota, Minnesota yeah. for a few yeah. years. I mean, it's like, okay, welcome outside. Deal with your own weather, finally. So who do we think? Super Bowl predictions. I mean, we're talking about the Vikings getting there. Realistically, are they going to be able to stop the Saints? We all said they are. But looking at the Atlanta Falcons, we all agreed that they would beat the Eagles. Could Atlanta be back? Uh, prediction, the silly prediction. Rematch last year's Super Bowl, Pats, Atlanta. Atlanta gets re- redemption, wins the Super Bowl. They're, they're playing with a grudge. They thought they were out of this thing. They were playing for their lives against Carolina. They're scrappy. Right. Kind of, you know, they've been told that they're not living up to what they were supposed to be from the very beginning of the season. And who knows? I mean, they, they've seen this team last year, not a whole lot of. Components have changed. They got a taste. They just won't be the Seahawks and not finish the second time. Right. They just want to pull. If you're on the one, run the ball, please. (laughs) Well, and Atlanta made some dumb offensive play calls during the Super Bowl. Yeah. They were running the ball so effectively, and you and you abandoned the run. Right. And so I think they shot themselves in the foot a little bit in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, with a Super Bowl like that and a collapse like they had, you wouldn't expect them to be even in the playoffs. So they've already accomplished a ton. And I think they are a team on a mission. And I would not be surprised if they made it back. Now, whether they could beat whoever comes out of the AFC, I don't know. Yeah, and what if the Saints end up playing in the Super Bowl? That would be – that show, speaks to the strength of the NFC South – that this would be the third year in a row we send a team to the Super Bowl. Although if they lose, that'd be the third loss in a row. That would kind of stink. Um, but yeah, I mean NFC South has been a meat grounder. I think that preps Atlanta and the Saints to make a deep run to the Super Bowl. Right. They've had to play a lot of competition, but I I have to pick the Pats, man. I can't go against these guys. They just seem to. I mean, look at last year. They're buried and they come back and win. I. Who do you got? 
I'm going to go with a Falcons just because, again, I want an underdog like my state. So I want to I want to make sure that – You see what's up on the wall over there, brother. Oh, I do. I'm really shocked, really. But, NC uh, State National Championships, 1983. Yeah, that paper's fading a little bit. Most people bit. weren't born yet. I wasn't. <laughs> what Robert, got, what Robert? do you think? Super Bowl. I hate to say it, but I'm going to go with the Pats. God, I hate the Pats, and I don't have a valid reason why. I just don't like them, but they find a way to win. So do you? I mean, so you hate the Patriots? You would think somebody that came from Duke, because growing up in the Midwest, we all hated Duke. I mean, we hated Duke more than we hated. Well, yeah, we hated. We I hated everything about it. I was a growing up a diehard Indiana fan, and I was a huge Bob Knight fan. Right. The only thing I could give Duke credit for was because Coach K came right. from Indiana, and I said, "Well, psh, Bob Knight taught him everything he knows. That's why he's so good, you know." <laughs> and it might be the reason that Coach K took everything bad about Coach Knight and didn't do it <laughs> to make him that good. But so you hate the Patriots. You would think you would be like, well, I understand. Because you guys were pretty good. I know you didn't get over the hump. Right. But you Thanks brought... for bringing that up again, yeah, Trey. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. It's but third time today. I'm sorry. He but... just he filled right in for Chris, right? <laughs> he, has it, he texted me, say this. Um, you basically got that program to be the dynasty. You were a part of that beginning. Right. Well, I get it. A lot of people don't like the Duke, and they don't have a reason. So I yeah. get it. I'm, I'm in the same. That's why I said I don't have a legitimate reason not to like New England. I just don't like them for some odd reason. You know the only Duke fan I hate is the Duke fan that loves Alabama football. Like, they don't – they don't they love the Duke basketball, right. but they're Alabama football yeah. fans. It's I, like the Florida State football fan and the UNC basketball fan. I hate them too. <laughs> They like love Duke. the team. I mean, they probably like the Yankees too. They're probably Patriots fans. They like all the winners, or they're Cowboy fans, or they're bandwagon. Yeah. Bandwagon. I mean, because how 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 do you manage to pull together Duke and Alabama? That those not even in the same stratosphere in terms of Duke's not nowhere near Alabama football, and Alabama's nowhere near Duke basketball. Thanks for coming in, Robert. Man, this has been a blast. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you all. We'll do it again. Enjoy the playoffs. See you next week. See you next week. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.